one, or two, or three, or four, but five, force five. Welcome to the Force 5 Podcast, a show where I challenge my guests to come up with a movie-themed five list, and then we talk about those lists on air. I'm your host, Kleberg, and today my guest is Scott Saslow. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing okay. How are you? I am fantastic. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? <laughs> um, I'm a freelance graphic designer. Uh, I live in LA, and... You know, I've only been doing it for, I think, the last five years or so. I actually went back to school when I turned 30 to get my bachelor's, and I've always been a film geek. I actually have a film degree from years ago, and, uh, you know, sort of the goal was to try to combine both interests and found a niche doing movie posters, and uh, I'm currently working on a bunch of cool Blu-ray projects for some of the boutique labels out there, like Arrow and Kino Lorber, and I'm just thankful to be working at all right now, to be honest, but it's a lot of fun. That's, that's awesome. Um, what are some of your favorite posters or Blu-ray art that you've designed? Uh, that I've done. I, I did phase four for a French label called Carlotta films and phase four is the only, it's a science fiction film. And it was the only film directed by the legendary designer, Saul Bass, who did movie posters and title sequences and, uh, he, you know, logos and, uh, the challenge there was, you know, how do you design something for a film directed by a designer, but they purposely, they specifically did not want my stuff to look like his stuff, which was nice. And there sure. wasn't a ton of material to work with. So that's the challenge, but I, I managed to convey, you know, funky 70s sci-fi without, you know, paying direct tribute to him. Um, and then, uh, I just did, it was just announced uh, Arrow was doing David Fincher's The Game. It's a UK only release. I did not do the artwork, but I was in charge of doing the layout for a 200 page book, which oh, uh, cool. really had never done before. Not 200 pages, but it was a challenge. But, you know, once, once you have all your materials and the text and everything, it's relatively straightforward, uh, to be honest, at least it is for me. Um, so that was a lot of fun and a lot of going back and forth and proofreading and should look pretty cool when it's, uh, when it's done or when it's good, rather. That's an awesome movie too. I just got the Criterion Collection, uh, Blu-ray of the game. Oh, nice. So obviously you've been interested in, in movies for a long time. You said you have a degree in film. Um, what do movies mean to you? I mean, when I was... I mean, I watched movies as a kid like every other kid does, but even from an early age, I just found myself interested in how they were made. I even remember, I mean, this is going back a little ways, I even remember, you know, you remember school book fairs, right? Oh, yeah. But I remember the school book fair buying the making of the Super Mario Brothers movie, and uh, <laughs> that was a book, and the making of Home Alone 2, and finding out what all these people did, and what the jobs were, and looking at all the behind-the-scenes shots. Um, you know, I'd watch, uh, all the making of as I could on TV. This is, you know, before DVD, of course. And I was a kid, I couldn't exactly afford laser discs. Um, but it was really sort of set from an early age. I don't know if it was just an escape or it just sounded like a cool job to have. Uh, my interest in graphic design came from that too, from being into Star Trek and reading about the 
people who would get to design all the signage and all the ships and the logos. So a lot of it really stemmed from that. Um, and that kind of play your love of movies. And now the fact that we're quarantined kind of has a lot to do with why you chose the list that you did. Um, why don't yeah. you kind of share what list you picked? Well, for uh, five, I chose, I've been averaging one to two movies a day for the last few months. And so I chose my five favorite movies that I've watched, I guess, during quarantine. Uh, uh, you know, I've been watching a lot. Some are better than others, but I managed to narrow it down to a top five. Before we get to that list, we're going to talk about the things that we've been watching lately. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to talk about my first one here. It's a movie called Arkansas. And uh, this one just came out here in uh, in May. Have you heard of Arkansas before? Not off the top of my head. I think if you explain it, I might, it might ring a bell, but it not not at the moment. Because <laughs> everything that glitters is not gold. Come on back with the Gatlin. A lot of people don't know about organized crime in the South, is that it's not that organized. What's with the cones? I thought the randomness of it might throw off a cop. I guess that's smart. I'm near the bottom rung of an outfit run by a man I've never met before, a man named Frog. I'm the boss. You may never refuse an order, and you may never quit. Pat Bright, park ranger. I'm with Frog. I've been ordered to intervene. Do not socialize with the locals. Do not draw attention to yourself. This is creepy. Do you like creepy? Arkansas was actually supposed to make its debut at South by Southwest this year. And then that was canceled because of the coronavirus. So yeah. um, it's a movie directed by Clark Duke. Uh, it's a small crime story that takes place in Arkansas. Stars Leon Hemsworth, Clark Duke himself. We've got Vince Vaughn in there, John Malkovich, Vivica A. Fox, and Michael Kenneth Williams. It's got a really good cast. Yeah. Um, it's a, and it's a, it's a nice little crime story. Uh, about some drug dealers who are trafficking drugs across state lines and get caught up in some, they get caught up in some stuff. I'll just say that to avoid spoilers. Um, <laughs> I did not love Arkansas. I, it's one of those movies where you watch it and then the very next day you don't remember much about it. Um, <laughs> it just, to me, it just didn't have anything that stuck with me. Um, there were some funny moments here and there. And some of the characters, particularly Clark Duke, for me, was he was endearing. Um, it's just Leon Hemsworth doesn't do much for me as a leading man. And, and the story didn't it didn't really stick with me. Uh, so I wouldn't recommend it. But, it, you know, if it was on on TBS, you know, in in five years and I, I caught some of it, I might I might keep it on. That's how I felt about Arkansas. Okay. And it's, it's funny. I use that almost that same phrase to describe certain movies. It's a, uh, an on TBS with nothing to do movie. Exactly. Beer in hand, just got done cutting the lawn. What's on TV. So tell me about uh, something you've been watching. I watched, it premiered last year and, uh, but I finally caught up with it on Netflix and I think they're doing a second season, but I watched the first season of, uh, the anthology show uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, yeah. I love this one. That's uh, It was uh, David Fincher and Tim Miller, I think, Deadpool director. Um, but I enjoyed it. I mean, some of the episodes, it's for people who don't know, it's an anthology series, and each episode is based on, you know, a short story, I guess. Um, 
but I, you know, some were better than others, but I genuinely enjoyed it. I think my favorites were actually the last two uh, segment. And, and these uh, are, these are all, um, they're all styled differently, which is kind of neat. Yeah, there was one that was mostly live action. And yes, yeah, some are computer generated, some are hand animated, or at least computer generated to look hand animated. Um, no, I mean, some of them were just downright beautiful to look at. And I look forward to uh, the second season, whenever that might drop. My, um, so my second thing that I've been watching is a movie also from 2020, and it's called Becky. What happened by your forward, Becky? Oh, can you wait a second? What is she doing here? You let her walk all over you. She's 13. Jeff, this gentleman lost his dog. Okay, well, why don't you give us your number? My dog is a Rottweiler. Purebred, or as the Germans call them, Rottweiler Metzgerhund. That's why you never let them mate with other breeds. You get the worst of both. Okay, I think it's time for you to go. Becky is a movie directed by Jonathan Millett and Carrie Murnian. Stars Lulu Wilson, Joel McHale, and Kevin James. Are you familiar with this movie, Becky? I've seen the posters. I haven't seen the film yet, but I've seen the uh, posters online. Yeah, so this one was really interesting to me only because Kevin James is in it. And I do not, I'm not a Kevin James fan at all. Uh, he is the dude that everybody will probably know as Paul Blart Mall Cop. Um, <laughs> and he's really, he's done comedies his entire career, uh, like Hitch and uh, King of Queens. And this is the first time where I've really seen him do something different. And he's playing a an escaped Nazi convict. Mm-hmm. And this thing plays out kind of like Home Alone, but in the woods. Um, it's... It's a bit uneven. I did. I liked it, but it it doesn't seem evil enough to satisfy like the the genre fans. Mm-hmm. And Kevin James doesn't do all. He he doesn't do enough to become one of those really memorable villains. It's got some pretty good gore scenes, and then uh, I think for me the major drawback. Well, two things. So Lulu Wilson as Becky, she just she didn't do it for me as the titular character. She just didn't, I didn't buy her as a cold blooded killer. And I don't think that's anything. I don't think that's uh, any slight on Lulu Wilson as much as it is the, the script that she was working with. And then um, there were some really stupid moments in there too. It's like, it's like if home alone, if, if all Kevin McAllister's rigs that he set up didn't work the way they were supposed to, that's how it kind of described this one. Um, worth checking out though, just for the Kevin James performance, especially if you're like me and you don't really enjoy his comedic stuff, this might turn you. It's, it was a pretty good performance from him. Cool. Um, now that's, that one's been on the, uh, I guess that one's been on the periphery. Um, given current events, I've been looking for, uh, the next movie I'm about to mention will, uh, won't really work with this, but I've been looking for movies that are a little lighter, just given everything that's going on. But I watched um, last night. I had never seen it. I knew of its reputation. Uh, I was flipping through on Amazon and I watched uh, Mommy Dearest. To a truly great lady, Miss Joan Crawford. 
You know what's missing in my life? Come on, you've got everything you want. No, I don't. I want a baby. Out of the question. Don't you dare judge me. We have a moral and legal responsibility. And what you're really doing is denying one of your children the opportunity to live a wonderful and advantaged life. You're a lucky little girl and very expensive. It cost me a lot of favors. Christina, darling, I'm going to make a perfect life for you. Are you having a happy birthday, Christina, darling? This is the best party I ever had. I love you, Mommy dears. I love you, Tina, darling. You lost again. It's not fair. You're bigger than I am. Ah, but nobody ever said life was fair, Tina. I will always beat you. Then I'm not going to play with you anymore. Ever. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to march yourself upstairs to your room and we'll stay there. No, I won't. Yes, you will. Um, I had never seen it. I knew what the deal was. Uh, it's, you know, Faye Dunaway plays the actress Joan Crawford. She adopts a couple of kids and... Uh, so, you know, it all sort of goes downhill from there. Um, I genuinely <laughs> enjoyed it. It's really, you know, when you mention that movie now, people think of it as this campy cult classic. Faye Dunaway, like, she's sort of all over the place. I don't know how much of it is true and how much of it isn't. There's the famous line, you know, no more wire hangers. Mm -hmm. uh, but I genuinely enjoyed the movie. I mean... I mean, just, to, you know, John Waters did a commentary for it on the DVD, just if that gives you any idea. Uh, oh, wow. But, um, but I enjoyed it. It's worth watching. I mentioned it to a friend, but uh, she's a big Joan Crawford fan and is hesitant because she doesn't want to, you know, necessarily see one of her favorite actresses portrayed in a bad light. Uh, but I liked it, and uh, I really got into it. Yeah, so... Like I said, I've I've never seen this movie, and all I really know about it is that wire hanger scene that you're talking about. Um, yeah. I think that's what a lot of people will recognize from this. I did not know that she was playing an actual, like a, a real person. Well, did you see uh, Ryan Murphy's uh, feud a couple years ago? No, I haven't. Uh, it, it's about Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Um, you know, huge actresses. Uh, and this movie, I think, was released in the early 80s, actually just a few years after Crawford passed away. I'm not, I mean, I'm trying to think, I'm sure I've seen one or two of her films. Uh, I'm not an expert, but just for what this movie was, even though it's a bit over the top, it's a bit campy. Uh, it's one of, I, I was shocked to find out that not unlike Tommy Wiseau and The Room, when, you know, it was released, it made some money, but when, you know, the, the studio started reading sort of the audience reaction and then they kind of rebranded it as this dark comedy. Right. Like Tommy Wiseau, who set out to make a straight drama and failed miserably and now claims, oh, it was supposed to be like that. It was always a comedy. And you know. <laughs> He claims a lot of things, that's for sure. Yes. Um, would you recommend it to uh, to everybody to watch? I would, if only for curiosity i suppose it's not a great movie but i uh you know i i'm glad i watched it it was one that i'd wanted to watch and then i just stumbled upon it and it was like that's it we're watching this right now let's move on to our force five list so like you said uh this is the top five movies we've seen while in quarantine 
And um, I'll let you kick this off. So what's your number five? Something really, really great that you've seen in quarantine. Okay. I mean, I didn't have these in any kind of order or anything. Um, but most recently, uh, the Coen brothers, A Serious Man. Please, I need help. I've had marital problems. Honey, I think it's time that we start talking about a divorce. Larry, we're going to be fine. <laughs> Professional, you name it. Larry, we've received a number of letters denigrating you and uh, urging us not to grant you tenure. I need help. We're going to be fine. I've tried to be a serious man. We're going to be fine. Tried to do right, be a member of the community. We're going to be fine. Please, just tell him I need help. Please. We're going to be fine. I need help. We're going to be fine. Uh, I, you know, I go, I still haven't, seen all of the coen brothers films um yeah and uh you know this one i hadn't seen it was on it's on netflix actually I'm sorry a friend just texted me so all good this one was on netflix and i honestly go back and forth with the coen brothers i'm literally 50 50 with them and you know i love fargo masterpiece uh, I like True Grid. I'm probably the only person on the planet who likes the Lady Killers. Um, oh yeah, Hudsucker Proxy is a lot of fun. But on the other hand, I recently watched Intolerable Cruelty and couldn't get into that one. Uh, did not couldn't get into Burn After Reading. Uh, you know, and a couple others. Uh, Hail Caesar just bored me. But this movie was. I mean, maybe it helps that I'm Jewish and it's a very Jewish movie. Um, <laughs> But this one was oddly fascinating. And even then, like, not a, it's like a lot happens, but at the same time, not a lot happens. And the the ending, you know, talk about your ambiguous endings, my God. But it's right. Mike, Michael Stuhlbarg, uh, who's great in everything he's in. Uh, he was in Fargo, the TV series, actually. He was. He was in season three. Yeah. Um, he's a teacher trying to get tenure but his wife wants a divorce and his two kids don't really pay him any attention or they only pay him attention when they want something and he just wants answers and you know the whole movie he goes to i think he goes to three different rabbis and doesn't really get the advice he's looking for uh, i'm totally not doing it justice there's a prologue set in eastern europe which on one hand has nothing to do with the story but Watching it, I could kind of figure it out what they were going for. Um, and uh, I mean, I can't say the movie has a happy ending, but it doesn't have a, it's not really a sad ending either. Like it didn't leave me all depressed at the end. Yeah, it's more of an, it's more of a, like an interesting ending. Yes. And, you know, the scenes at the at Hebrew school and the bar mitzvah, I mean, some of that certainly hit close to home. Um Beautifully shot by Roger Deakins. Uh, great actors. Uh, God, I'm trying to think what else. But um, no, it was just, it's sort of just a slice of life, but filtered through the Coens. You of know? course, which makes everything a little bit better. Yeah. And a little skewed, a little, little exaggerated. Um, but I was genuinely surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I didn't know what I was expecting. 
it's funny that you mentioned the Coens because Hail Caesar, I just watched for the first time mm-hmm. and I felt kind of the same way as you. I was really bored with it. And I'm a huge Coen Brothers fan too. That was like the first one that I've watched of theirs where I was completely uninterested. Well, and I should probably go and watch Hail Caesar again, but I just remember at the time thinking, this isn't about anything. Who cares? It's a bore. And I like Clooney. I like all those actors. But yeah, I, I that's one I would return to one day. Yeah, you know, I, I think I had more of an appreciation for it after I watched it. Uh, and read more about it because a lot of the stories told in Hail Caesar are about old Hollywood stories. Mm-hmm. And I went in thinking, much like you might have, I, I thought it was going to be about, you know, Clooney being abducted, which was the hook for me. And uh, it's more about just the day in the life of the studio executive that played by Josh Brolin. My number five, and I, just like you, I didn't really do this in any order. So I'm just going to say them in the order of, uh, when they came out. All right. And so my, my first one's from 1987. It's a movie called Death Row Game Show. Do you know this man? Maybe you've seen some of his commercials. Hello, I'm Chuck Todan. Are you tired of being burglarized? Try the new Electro Zappy Fence. Yes, our ties are made of the strongest material that won't rip, tear, or stretch. We hope you haven't been offended by our little joke. Of course you know who he is. It's time for Live or Die. Now here's the host and star of the show, Chuck Tobin. 9372, how are you feeling? I'm a little nervous, Chuck. Before you lose your head, we'll give you a chance to win some money for your family. I never thought he'd amount to anything. Here we go. Welcome to the wonderful world of Death Row Game Show. Anyone on Death Row can be a contestant. Man or woman, young or old, I do not discriminate. Death Row Game Show is... Oh, it's... For, it's, it's a very, very dark comedy. Um, and essentially, there's this TV show called Death Row Game Show, and the host is... Uh, played by John McCafferty, plays a dude named Chuck Toden. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Toden runs these extremely elaborate contests that convicts come onto the show and they either win the game and they either cheat death or they, uh, you know, there's, for example, I'll just give you an example. There's one where a guy has to keep a electricity thing on his genitals for a certain amount of time. And if he can't do it, he dies. <laughs> if he does, he gets to cheat the executioner for a little while. Uh, but the twist to it is that he can't get an erection. And they have naked women dancing in front of him. And if he gets an erection, then it's going to shock him. And then he's going to uh, he's going to perish. So it's stuff like that. It's a really, really dark comedy. Um he, the game show host gets caught up with some mobsters because the mobster's mom loves a competing show and she's in the crowd. She accidentally goes on to the show of Death Row Game Show and they kill this mobster's mom by accident because they think she's a convict. And uh, things kind of go haywire from there. It's really funny. It was put out on Blu-ray by a company called Vinegar Syndrome, which as a person who does art for boutique labels, you might have heard of Vinegar Syndrome. They do a lot of like 
exploitation films and they are totally on my list and uh not this year but the last few years i've gone to monster palooza in pasadena and i always pass by their table and give them my card and nothing yet but hopefully one day but yeah they do great work yes super good stuff and the blu-ray is amazing um so yeah that was my that was my uh fifth one 1987's death row game show totally worth the watch if you're into like satirical uh, like stuff like the running man uh, where they just kind of satire the tv and reality show world uh, death row game shows a good watch so hit me with your number four uh it's a movie called uh, it's a movie from the early 90s it's based on a play it's called noises off once upon a time in a place of make-believe there was a little theater company that couldn't. Sorry, folks. Am I doing something wrong? They couldn't get their cues right. What is going on? They couldn't get their lines straight. We only just managed to fit it in. I mean, we'll only just do it. I mean... They couldn't even stand on their own two feet. Are you all right, Gary? Don't panic, don't panic! He's all right! Oh, well done. Until a director was hired... Hold it! Stop. 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 Hold it! ...to take control. God said, hold it! He started with the basics. We know you've worked over in London in some very classy places where they let you make the play up as you go along. But we don't want that kind of thing here, love. Develop their talent. Would it perhaps be better if I came on a little earlier? Right, only only a little sooner, a shade earlier, like yesterday. Nurtured their creativity. Let me just say one thing. No. Could I ask another dumb question? No. And guided their every move. Don't fall down, Tim. We may not be insured. Now, if he can only get them to Broadway in one piece. I'm starting to know what God felt like. And what did he feel like? Very pleased he'd taken his Valium. They just might have a happy ending. It's like the band playing on as the Titanic sank. Touchstone Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present a Peter Bogdanovich picture. Is it a party? Noises off. I've worked with a lot of directors, but I've never met one who is so totally and absolutely, I don't know. Beautifully put, Gary. It's uh, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, and it basically follows uh, the rehearsal, or one rehearsal and then two performances of a play, basically this silly farce. But the cast, it's Michael Caine is the director. Hmm. You've got Carol Burnett, uh, Den O'Melliot in his last role, uh, Nicolette Sheridan, who spends most of the movie in her underwear, um, and two actors who left us way too soon, uh, John Ritter and Christopher Reeve, and it's just a treat to see them working together in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's a farce. It's screwball. It's... So the first act is basically we follow the rehearsal, and then the second act is an actual performance of the play, but most of it takes place backstage. So you're following the actors and their shenanigans backstage as some of the other actors are on stage. And then the third act is another performance where it's all on stage but things just keep going from bad to worse and it's a farce it's a screwball comedy it's genuinely a lot of fun a friend recommended it to me and i it's a movie i wish more people now that i've seen it that i wish more people would know about but it was sort of i guess under the radar at the time sure and uh where did you see this uh oh (laughs) Uh, a friend supplied it to me, um, you know, but uh, I don't know if it's on, It's I don't believe it's on Blu-ray. I assume it's on DVD. Um, I mean, if you look hard enough, I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And I've sort of gotten, you know, some screwball comedy I like, some I don't. Like, I don't like movies based on misunderstandings where the entire thing could be wrapped up if the characters would just talk to each other. You know what sure. I mean? Sure, yeah. Um, but this was not that. It was just a funny ensemble of great actors doing their thing and, you know, running in and out of rooms. And again, just seeing John Ritter and Christopher Reeve in action, you know, for me, that it's worth it just for that. You know, a lot of slapstick and, you know, Michael Caine just getting more and more exasperated as the movie goes on. <laughs> and it was based on a play. Now, now it's like I have to see the play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Noises off. I'm definitely adding that to my list. Uh, my number four is along the same lines. So you said great actors running around doing their thing. My number four is Parenthood from 1989, which has a lot of that. This summer, Ron Howard brings us a portrait of the American family. Hill, how long do we have to sit here and wait for you to figure that thing out? Dad, it's a family portrait. It takes time, all right? Uh, Whoops. Hill, why don't you let Nathan do it? No, no. Steve Martin. Gil, it's your camera. I think you should be. I think I know how to do it. Put film the camera, Gil. Here we go. All right, we've got 15 seconds. Okay. Hey, hurry up. Oh, great job, Gil. Tom Hulse. Rick Moranis. One, two, three. Cheese. Leaf Phoenix. Martha Plimpton. What did he say? Cheese. I might have, might have said it for 20. One more time. Two, three. Cheese. Quick cheese. Keanu Reeves. Jason Robards. I have still never seen that movie. Do you have kids? No, not ready. So I think, (laughs) (laughs) I think that you'll, I think it will still be good, but I think as a parent, um, it will, it will be a lot more poignant as a parent. Right. Um, this is directed by Ron Howard from 1989 and This came up just one night randomly. My wife and I were looking for something to watch that was light um, and parenthood popped up. So we gave it a shot. It has some fantastic actors in here. It's got Steve Martin kind of in his prime. It's Mm -hmm. got Rick Moranis in his prime, which is great. Uh, Mary Steenburgen is in here. It's got um, an iconic theme song from Randy Newman. And it's even got, and I I didn't know anything about the movie before I started watching it. But uh, it's got an early performance from Keanu Reeves, which is really cool to see pop up. (laughs) And this movie is really just about three different, three different family members and their families and how they function together. And then, uh, you know, they all kind of get together for a big dinner and things explode from that dinner. Uh, Really, really fun really poignant moments too um just about family and about being a parent that even if you're not a parent i still think you'll find deep um so this was a a really good really good movie has some really funny moments uh and some really really thought-provoking dramatic moments as well are you a parent uh yeah i have a two-year-old um so obviously some of the things they get into i i can't speak to yet but once you know they have uh the the parents in the movie have kids from all different ages so it's something that everybody will be able to relate to 
in the complete opposite direction, uh, I did a I did the thirty day free trial for Shutter, and oh, I watched. Cool. Uh, they had a, a couple of John Carpenter films, and I watched uh, uh, In the Mouth of Madness, which I liked. But the one I liked just as much, if not more, was The Fog. John Carpenter's The Fog. This is KAB Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here. And let me be the first to wish Antonio Bay a happy birthday. We're 100 years old today. And keep a watch out for that fog bank heading in from the east. 100 years ago, between midnight and one, something unknown came out of the fog. Now it has returned. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> 100 years ago, between midnight and one, something unnatural came out of the fog. Now it has returned. Which I had never seen. I'm not even a big horror guy. Um, but I genuinely enjoyed this movie. Like the opening, it has sort of a very Spielberg-esque quality to it. And Carpenter's great, you know, shooting and framing for the full 235 uh aspect ratio but it's a it's antonio bay this coastal town in california and it actually opens with a story around the campfire and uh you know and we sort of find out that like the town elders you know there was this ship and the town elders i guess killed the six people on the ship uh and then plundered the gold on the ship so you have this mysterious fog that's creeping and basically sort of the ghosts or I guess revenant or whatever, but the, the ghosts of these characters come back to sort of take, you know, uh, get their revenge. Um, I'm not doing it justice, but it's very atmospheric. It's very good. It's uh, Adrian Barbeau, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Janet Lee actually together and uh, uh, Tom Atkins and uh just just a lot of fun are you a fan of john carpenter's other works well i you know what and i feel ashamed to say it i still have not seen halloween that's probably the biggest omission there but no i am a uh, big trouble in little china uh the thing i contributed artwork to this uh, book that printed in blood put out sort of an art tribute book uh, for the thing so i actually watched it for the first time a few years ago but uh yeah, now that I've seen more of his movies, now I'm definitely a fan. But again, not being a horror guy, it was never sort of a big priority for me, you know. Uh, and I watched his first movie, Dark Star, which was on the Criterion channel. And it was fun, but you could definitely tell it was a student project that they had to expand to feature length. Yeah, I am. I'm a big fan of John Carpenter. Uh, the Fog is fantastic. I loved his, uh, well, all the ones you mentioned, plus Christine, um, Escape from New York. Uh, awesome. My number three is a film from 2019 called Come to Daddy. Dad, it's me, Norm. I got your letter. I never thought I'd see you again. A long time. A long time, yeah. I realize I know nothing about you. Boy, your mom really doesn't talk about me, does she? Not really. 
To Daddy is an interesting movie from a dude named Ant Timson, who you might know from. Oh, what did Ant Timson direct it? He did a Turbo Kid. Have you seen okay. Turbo Kid? Uh, crazy, crazy stuff in Turbo Kid. Deathgasm was his second one. Crazy stuff in there too. And this one's a little more lean and a little more. Um, it's a little less showy. Essentially, it's uh, you got a character played by Elijah Wood who is a musician. He still lives at home with his mom. uh, And he receives a letter from his father asking him to come and visit him. And he hasn't seen his father in years uh, since he was a very small kid. I think he was like five years old last time he saw him. Mm -hmm. So he goes out to this cabin to answer his dad's letter. And things kind of ratchet up from there. His dad is not exactly who he thought he was. And it gets into kind of horror type of thing, kind of noirish, uh, a little bit of a mystery. Elijah Woods sporting this really crazy hairdo, which is kind of funny. And uh, yeah, he just has to figure out how to get out of this situation and, and find out what's going on in this situation to get out of it. Uh, there's some pretty there's some pretty good gore shots if you're a, a fan of gore. There's um, there's some interesting dialogue in there. It's it's a really really fun movie, but I can't say much much more about it without spoiling stuff. Uh, it really gets going at about 20 minutes in. So this is called Come to Daddy. It looks beautiful. Uh, the direction definitely on point for Matt Timpson and uh, Elijah Wood carries this thing. Just he's been doing some really really interesting movies lately and i've been loving what he's what he's been doing well he has his, his partner have their company and they're doing some cool stuff going in the completely opposite direction from the fog um my number two is 1943's the more the merrier it is with pride that we view hospitable washington friendly washington eagerly throwing wide her doors you mean you're not coming back at all? I'm about the apartment. I'm sorry, I've already rented it. Do you think you know me well enough to lie to me? Yes. We'll try it out for a week. If you're not happy, we'll flip a coin to see who moves out. What is it? What's the trouble? <laughs> What's the matter? Speak to me. Hello. You hear about the apartment? Yeah, it says half an apartment. Is it rented? No, it's not rented. Come in. How did you get in here? Well, I live here. What are you gawking at? You. It's a comedy. Uh, the Criterion Channel put up a bunch of films starring an actress named Jean Arthur, who I actually was not that familiar with. I She was in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which I haven't seen in years. Uh, and Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, same thing. And she had a good run in the 30s and 40s, and then I think she did one or two movies in the 50s, and that was really it. You know, she wasn't one of those actresses who just worked for decades. Um, And as a result, you know, maybe she's not talked about as much as she should be. But this movie, 
it's World War II. There's a housing shortage. Uh, she has a nice place, and she rents half of her apartment to this retiree uh, played by an actor named Charles Coburn. And then Coburn decides to rent half of his space to a uh, military, you know, an employee a worker named uh, played by Joel McRae. And then Gene Arthur and Joel McRae fall in love, but Gene Arthur's engaged. And, you know, you could kind of figure out the rest from there. But it's a genuinely fun, sweet movie. Um, there's some fun stuff in there. Uh, there's a great, genuinely romantic scene of Gene Arthur and Joel McRae just sort of on the front stoop of the place. And he's putting the moves on her and uh, and she's engaged, but she only refers to her fiance like formally, like uh, I'm engaged to Mr. Pendergast, which I thought was funny. Uh, you know, my fiance, Mr. Pendergast, which silly stuff, but I genuinely enjoyed this movie. And again, you know, as I said before, some screwball comedies, uh, bringing up baby comes to mind. I just can't get into because the characters are just too damn annoying. Um, thankfully that was not the case here. And uh, yeah, good stuff. It's actually, this one is on, uh, you can find it on YouTube. Someone put it up there. And then you can also, you said you could also find it on the Criterion channel as well. If it, if it's still there, uh, since I know when they do these series, sometimes they only last a month or so. They had like 12 or 13 films with Gene Arthur. And I don't know if they're all still there, but it's worth a shot. But if not for now, you could find it on YouTube. Uh, my number two is also a comedy. And this one is from 2019 as well. And looking back, it might be my favorite movie that I've, my favorite movie from 2019, and that's a movie called Jojo Rabbit. Here's Master Jojo. You're a top man. Prepare to leave the house. Today, you boys will be involved in such activities as war games, <laughs> ambush techniques, and blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Russ? Of course you can. comes to. When I was your age, I had an imaginary friend. Got me in so much trouble. Kids, it's time to burn some books! Yeah! You're growing up too fast. Ten-year-olds shouldn't be celebrating war and talking politics. Hi, Hitler. I wish more of our young boys had your blind fanaticism. <laughs> Did you know Jews can read each other's minds? But how would you know if you saw one? They could look just like us. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, for those who don't know, it's a movie set in the later stages of World War II and it centers around a little boy who dreams of joining the Nazi army. And he has this imaginary friend who is Adolf Hitler, played by uh, Taika Waititi, uh, who also directed this movie. Uh, it also stars Sam Rockwell in an amazing performance <laughs> and Scarlett Johansson as well. This movie was... I I didn't know what to expect going in. Whenever you see or you hear about a comedy based around Nazis, it's always really, I'm always really iffy on that. Um, the other one that comes to mind is Life is Beautiful, which is another kind of set during the Holocaust comedy. Yeah. Uh, but this one, you know, told from the eyes of a kid who wanted to be a Nazi, it was really not knowing what to expect. And I tell you what, this movie, it had me laughing out loud. It had me in legitimate tears. This movie was fantastic from start to finish. 
Uh, I can't wait to watch it again. It's got several scenes that I will never forget. It's got a character named Yorkie, who is one of my favorite characters, I think, of all time. This kid, everything he says is gold. Uh, it's just a, such a good movie. That's uh, Jojo Rabbit from 2019. So I guess number one now. Um, my number one pick, and again, no particular order, um, Rock and Roll High School. It's 1980. Welcome to Rock and Roll High School. Rock and Roll High School? Do you want I am Miss Togar, and I am the new principal of this school. And who are you? I'm Riff Randall, rock and roller. The only girl I ever dream about at night is Riff. I've done more detentions than anyone in the school's history. Are you a virgin? Ah, how about a cheerleader? Nice set of pom-poms. Uh, it's streaming, at least last when I watched it a few weeks ago, it was on HBO Go, and that's a movie that had sort of always been on my radar. What a lot of fun. Just a blast, that movie. And genuinely silly, like there's some bad wordplay and visual gags. Um, there's a, basically, it's a school, and you have, and Mary Warnoff plays this sort of dictatorial principal and she doesn't want the kids listening to rock and roll and sort of the most popular student uh is a big fan of the ramones so a few of them go to go to a ramones concert and eventually the ramones play this girl played by pj souls from stripes this girl once uh, wrote a song for the ramones called rock and roll high school and eventually they come to the high school and perform the song as the school all but just burns down around them. Um, uh, Roger Corman executive produced it, you know, some familiar faces in it. Uh, there's a Clint Howard is in it. There's a scene where all these kids are lined up in the boys room. And then there's like a desk, like a receptionist. And then this guy walks into the stall, but it's like a big office and it's Clint Howard. And he <laughs> gives the students drugs or test answers and, things like that and it's just silly um dick miller shows up as a police chief and he was in a lot of their movies actually check out the documentary that guy dick miller on amazon prime it's great um and he only passed away within the last year or so but again it's just a fun movie um you know it's roger corman low budget all shot on location uh sort of a cool time capsule you know, of LA at that time. And yeah, just, I recommend it. <laughs> so it's rock and roll high school. And uh, you also threw a shout out for that guy, Dick Miller, correct? Yeah. It's a documentary that was done a few years ago and it's very good. And, you know, you watch all the interviews and behind the scenes footage and it almost makes you think like, man, working on all these low budget exploitation movies in the seventies, it was hard work, but man, did it, does it look fun? Yeah, no kidding. Those uh, those Corman movies look like they just they never had permits for anything. They just kind of, hey, we're shooting today. Let's do it, which always seems kind of cool to me. 
Um, so my number one is from 2020, and it's a movie that I just watched a couple days ago called The Hunt. What is all of this? Did you see that article? Every year, these liberal elites kidnap a bunch of normal folks like us and hunt us for sport. The last I heard, free speech still exists. Don't First Amendment me. It wasn't real. Everybody get out of here! We were joking. There's been a killing spree. You gotta come here right now. You actually believed we were hunting human beings for sport. <laughs> but you are. Yeah, the hunts had a kind of a storied past, which is why I want people to watch this movie. Uh, originally, it was supposed to come out last year, and then the El Paso shootings happened, so it was pushed back, and it got pushed back to January, like right, was it January? Maybe it was March. It got pushed back to right when the COVID-19 stuff started happening. And like the week that it came out in theaters, nobody was able to see it. So uh, Universal put it up on Amazon Prime. You could rent it for 20 bucks for a while there. And I just got around to seeing it. And it is a really, really fun movie. Uh, essentially, it's the setup is really kind of interesting. Uh, 11 people just wake up. And they're in the middle of this, the wilderness, and they have to figure out how to survive because they very, they very shortly find out that they are being hunted. And it's, I think it's supposed to be kind of a Democrat versus Republican thing, but it's, even if you're not into politics, it's just a really fun movie. And uh, it's got a great cast. It's got uh, Betty Gilpin plays the lead whose name is Crystal and she's awesome in this Betty Gilpin you'd know from uh, Glow if you watch that show on Netflix it's got uh, Hilary Swank Glenn Howerton is in there uh, Dennis from Always Sunny in Philadelphia Macon Blair makes an appearance you got uh, Ethan Supley in amazing shape uh, he's come a long way since like being in Mallrats it's a sailboat <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a schooner but yeah, it's um man, it's it's a lot of fun. It's definitely an action movie, but it does not hold back on the gore. There's some stuff that my wife had to turn away from. But my wife doesn't like typically she doesn't like these types of movies and she really enjoyed The Hunt. So, uh this one gets a strong endorsement from me. That's my number 1, The Hunt. Well, hey, that's our list. Um I'm going to give you, uh, you know, some time to kind of plug whatever you'd like to plug, but I do have some questions for you before we finish things out, if it's cool with you. Sure, go ahead. And then I'll, I'll give my website uh, at the end. My first question is, how do you do your art? Like, is it digital art? Is it paintings? Like, what's the process that you go through when you get, like, let's say phase four that you have to do artwork for? It's more... I mean, I could do really basic illustrations, but nothing... Like, I can't do what Drew Struzan did or i guess what guys like paul shipper and kyle lambert do like i i can't, i'm not an illustrator i don't paint um the two classes i did not do well in school were actually the drawing classes even though i drew a lot as a kid um 
I'm more photographic and really the whole this whole thing was sort of set in motion when I started discovering other designers who did that. Um, other poster designers like Sam Smith and Brandon Schaefer, who actually recently finished a podcast of their own called The Poster Boys. And there's another designer who goes by the name Midnight Marauder. And, you know, I was in school and I saw what these guys were doing and it was like, oh, wow, I think there might actually be a seat at the table for me. You know, I could do that. I just can't do this. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so in the, so it's a lot of photo manipulation. It's a lot of just doing a lot with very little, uh, in the, in the case of phase four, I think I did, and it's all on my website. I think I did like eight concepts. Some were just using existing imagery. Uh, some, I was just sort of copying individual shots from the movie and then they went with the one they went with, uh, which is a pretty basic vector shapes, uh, nothing intricately detailed, but for me, part of that's just the challenge. How do you encapsulate a story in one image, basically? Yeah. You know, and I enjoy that. The first release I did for Arrow was this film noir set that they did where they wanted it to look like Saul Bass's posters. So it's like, well, gee, how do you, how do you design something in the style of one of the greatest graphic designers ever? You know, but you do your research and you look at other stuff and you see what other people are doing. Um, and you just go from there. And I submit as many concepts as I could think of. And hopefully they like one of them. <laughs> yeah. And that was going to be my my next question. So for something like that, um, you know, how many how many do you have to design typically for one release? Well, phase four, I did eight different concepts and each one, you know, I'll do a different title treatment. And I'm often very open where I'll say, you know, if you like concept number three, but the font I used in number six, fine, and I'll make it work. Uh, the film noir set, it was four films, and I did four concepts for each film. And then I think another four, eight or so concepts for the actual box artwork itself. Um, you know, there are some cases where I put a lot of effort into one concept, but they go with the simpler one that looks like it took five minutes. Uh, other times it's the other way. Uh, the stuff I've been doing for Arrow lately, often it's using someone else's artwork, but then I'm doing the overall layout and then the uh, booklet, which I find a lot of, you know, I like doing that, you know, just restoring the photos and figuring out where it all goes and, you know, what are other people not doing and how can I make this booklet look better than the next person's and I enjoy it. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, I guess my last question for you is, if you had carte blanche, you could pick any project to make a poster for, what would it be? Well, I I will give you an answer, but I'll tell you that when I got a short preamble to that, when I graduated five years ago, I got a job right out of school at this small design agency back in South Florida. I quit after six months. And then I read about a designer in Australia who was doing one alternative movie poster a day for a year. So I did for, you know, one poster a day for a year. And that's what sort of opened these doors for me. But the one movie, which is one of my favorites that I could never quite crack was the Blues Brothers. Mm. I mean, there are a lot of movies I love that I just don't have any ideas for, but I would love to just be up one night and you know, wake up like, oh my God, I have the idea. I know what to do for it. But right now I can't think of anything. <laughs> and same with Marvel or DC, like I have nothing to contribute 
because so many other people have done so many great posters for those movies. Sure. I'll tell you, um, on your website, which I'm sure you'll say the name of here in a second, I know that there are a bunch of alternate posters that you posted on there. And my personal favorite is Marriage Story, the Marriage Story poster that you did. I think that one's brilliant. That idea, I would have loved to do that for Criterion. Um, No, that idea, for whatever reason, came to me pretty quickly. I mean, when I'm doing alt posters for movies that are made, obviously, you know, I'm doing them more for myself than anyone else. So I don't really have to worry about showcasing the actors or any, you know, any of the usual marketing considerations, because I've dealt with that too. And I just had that idea. And on Flickr, someone scanned all these old coloring books. So I found that image, printed it out, tacked it to my wall, took the photo, and I actually had to go out and buy crayons, which I have not (laughs) done in a long time. Um, And it turned out, uh, I, I like how that one turned out. Yeah, I thought that one was brilliant. Um, so why don't you talk about that website and, and kind of tell us where we can find more of your work? I'm at scottsaslow.com, uh, S-C-O-T-T-S-A-S-L-O-W, uh, scottsaslow.com, and I'm on Instagram, at scottsaslow. Uh, you'll find all those links on the website, and you'll find some of the freelance stuff that I've done for filmmakers. You'll find all the Blu-rays. Um that are available. I'm going to, you know, in a few months, I'm going to have to do some serious updating. Um, you'll find both a selection of the posters I did when I was doing the daily project. And then you'll find some more along with marriage story, uh, additional alt posters because I still do them. And, uh, yeah, it's at scottsaslow.com. Unfortunately, I can't show the work I've done for agencies. It's a pet. If you go to the website, you'll see there's a password uh, protected section since I can't really showcase that stuff. Understandable. We'll go check that out. Again, that's scottsaslow.com. Check out all of Scott's work and uh, follow him on Instagram as well. Um, hey, Scott, thanks for coming on the show, sharing your five movies that you've seen during quarantine that are worth checking out. Anybody can be a guest on this show. The only requirement is that you love movies. If you have a five list that you want to tackle, you can email me at force5podcast at gmail.com or even better, check out the website force5podcast.com, which has a show request form and other movie-related content. Until next time, watch movies. What I need is a woman who can think and fight and chew gum at the same time. Force 5.